When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at my bookie. Charlie and I will be right back here in this very same spot, this very same time tomorrow, giving you guys our week three picks of the week. So make sure to check back then to get all the picks you need to use at my bookie to put some cash in your pocket. And simple, guys, just go to mybookie.ag. If you are a brand new user, just use our promo code UGA and you will get a 50% bonus on that first deposit. Come on, guys. It's free money. Take advantage of it while you can. Again, mybookie.ag. Use our promo code UGA to bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and here we are, my friends, our very first official 2023 game preview. We've been talking about all these games all offseason long. I did scouting the enemy episodes for each of these teams that we're going to play in the SEC over the next couple of months. So it's not that we haven't talked about these teams and talked about these games, but here we are in season and we actually have tape to operate off of. So these are our official game previews. I didn't do one for either of the first two games because I mean, for obvious reasons, no one cared about a game preview for UT Martin. No one cared about a game preview for Ball State. But this is different. This is the conference opener. This is the border rivalry with South Carolina. And I am ready to roll. I've been waiting a long time for this one, man. This one has been a long time coming. I mean, this is our first game preview in, what, eight months? So, yeah, I've been champing at the bit for a while here. But I'm going to wait about 60 seconds longer because I do quickly just want to put out a shameless plug for our new Glory UGA YouTube channel. I know a lot of you have already subscribed. You're already watching the videos. You're already liking the videos. And I am so grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. But I also know there are a ton of you out there that have not done so. So if you like this content, if you like what we give you here in our coverage of the Georgia Bulldogs, our brand, the way that we do it, I'm telling you, you're going to love this content on the YouTube channel because it allows us to go into greater detail, into greater depth that we just can't do here on the podcast. It gives us the visual medium. So I think you're going to like it. I know you're going to like it if you give it a shot. Even if you're not a YouTube person, I get that. I understand it. But if you just give it a shot, I'm 
fairly certain that you're gonna like it. At least if you're listening to this podcast, you like this podcast, you're gonna like the YouTube content. I'm working on a video right now. I'm hoping to get it out later tonight. It's been a, it's been a work in progress. It's been a busy week, a lot of stuff going on, but I'm trying to get a video out, putting one together about some of our run game issues. I've already gone back and watched tape and picked out the clips. I just gotta actually go record it and then get it uploaded, edited, all that fun stuff. So if I can get it out, I'm gonna try to get it out tonight. We'll just have to see if I can find the time to do it. But we are going to have content for you guys all season long. I assure you that. So make sure, subscribe, like, watch the videos, and uh, I, think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. But all right, guys, that's it. That's it. 60 seconds-ish, right? But let's get into this game preview. We have waited long enough. And for those of you who found us over the course of the offseason and are new to the show, I think you're going to find out pretty quickly that this is what I love to do. I love breaking down games that we've played, I like the recap episodes, that's great too, I like reacting to that, but what I truly love to do when it comes to this podcast is break down the teams that we are going to play. I like watching games, figuring out what teams do well, what they struggle with, what schemes they're running, that is what I, I mean, I eat that stuff up, guys, so I put a lot of time and a lot of effort into these episodes because I love it, I do, I mean, it takes time, but... I, I love it. I have fun doing it, so it doesn't even seem like I'm doing all that much work. But I truly do not think you're going to find a more in-depth preview of Georgia's games each and every week. Because, I mean, we put the time in, guys. I put the time in, not just this week. I was putting the time in a couple weeks ago when it kicked off, watching that North Carolina-South Carolina game with a fine-tooth comb, going back and re-watching it a couple times. I'm diving into the tape. I've only got two games for South Carolina, but I've watched them both, and uh, not just watched them. Again, I've gone through them with a fine-tooth comb. I've already been at work on all the other teams that are on our schedule. So I, I think you're going to enjoy this if you're new to the show. If you've been around for a while, you know the drill. You know what's going on here. But if you are new to the show, the format that I use is a little bit differently. I've done these preview episodes differently at different points in the nine-year history of this podcast, but over the past couple of years, I've kind of settled on a countdown format, what I call the countdown format at least, and it's pretty simple. I'm counting down five, four, three, two, one, and each week, I'm going to give you five players to know from the opponent. I'm going to give you four stats that matter, three questions to ask, two matchups to watch, and finally, one key to the game. I'm not going to give you my game prediction on these episodes. We are saving that for the weekly picks episode at the end of the week where Charlie will join me. We'll give you our, our final picks, our final predictions. Although, if you pay attention close enough, you can kind of figure out which way I'm leaning. But we'll give you those final predictions on the final episode of the week. So again, that's five players to know, four stats that matter, three questions to ask, two matchups to watch, and one key to the game. And let's get it started, guys. Five players to know. When you're talking about this South Carolina team, you have to start with Spencer Rattler. I mean, with most teams, you start at the quarterback position because it is the most important position on the team. If a team is elite or good at quarterback, they have a chance to do something, right? If they're not, they don't have a quarterback, probably not going to have a chance to beat Georgia. Well, South Carolina has a very interesting situation at quarterback. Spencer Rattler is uh, is kind of a lightning rod. He, some people think that he is highly, highly talented. Others think that he's highly, highly overrated. I have tended to lean towards the overrated side of things, but it's not because I don't recognize the talent that Spencer Rattler has. It's more so I am just constantly bombarded by his inconsistencies when I watch this guy play, and inconsistencies from game to game, inconsistencies within game, inconsistencies from drive to drive, from play to play. But make no mistake about it, Spencer Rattler is a very talented football player, and when things are clicking for him, watch out. He is legit when things are clicking. The issue, again, for Rattler is that you never know if they're going to be clicking or not. Now, I will say 
to open the season, small sample size, two games, but to open this season, he has been clicking. Things have been firing on all cylinders for him. If you go back to the end of last year, he ended the season that way. So it would stand to reason maybe he's figured something out at South Carolina. Now, as we're going to get to in the stats that matter, the first part of his career at South Carolina, not exactly clicking. But right now, this guy is playing at an extraordinarily high level. He's seeing the field. He's making good decisions, which is an issue for him at times. When he's not playing well and things aren't clicking, he's making very poor decisions. And he's putting the ball into harm's way. He's leaving the pocket way too early. His footwork, his mechanics go out the window. But that hasn't been the case recently. And you have to be honest there. I mean, I spent a large portion of the offseason when we were talking about South Carolina saying that I don't trust Spencer Rattler. And I still don't fully trust him, but I do respect how he has opened this season. I respect the way he ended last season. And look, when you have opinions on players, they have to be fluid. They can't be static because players improve. Players get better. And I think Spencer Rattler is one of those players that's kind of figuring things out with this South Carolina system. And you have to admit, the South Carolina system, I know there were some similarities to what they were doing in Oklahoma, because she has some of the coaches that came from Oklahoma, but it was certainly different than what Lincoln Riley runs, that air raid-based system. And it took some time for him to figure things out. It looks like maybe he is starting to grow more comfortable in their system, but right now he is playing at a very high level. Now, he was basically perfect against Furman. I think it was like 92% completion percentage against Furman, but it's Furman, right? It's Furman, so there's that. But against North Carolina, he was also very, very good in that game. They didn't lose that game against the Tar Heels in week one because of Spencer Rattler. In fact, they were in the game, I would argue, because of Spencer Rattler. So this is a guy that's playing at a pretty high level right now, and he's a different guy than the version of him that I think that we saw week three last year. So you got to start with him, and his number one target right now is a guy that has come from absolutely nowhere. Xavier Leggett in his final season in Columbia has gone from being an afterthought to an outright stud through the first two weeks of this season. This is a player who has been in South Carolina now for five seasons. In his first four seasons combined, Leggett caught 42 balls for 423 yards. This season, through two games, He already has 15 receptions for 296 yards. His previous career high receiving yards for a season was last year when he went for 167 yards, which means that he has already outpaced his previous season best in yardage by 77% through two games. This guy is a different dude right now. Now, part of it is opportunities. The guy who is their best receiver, who was going to be the best receiver coming into the year, he's missed the first two games, Antoine, a.k.a. Juice Wells. He's been dealing with an injury. He missed most of fall camp. We'll get to him a little bit later. He might be coming back this week. We'll see. But in Wells' absence, Leggett has unquestionably been the guy. He's the only guy on the team right now that has over 100 yards receiving. He has almost 300 through two games. He's basically averaging 150 yards a game right now. And he is very different than Wells in body composition. He's 6'3", almost 230. He's a big dude. And the way they use him, basically Rattler's just throwing the ball up to him. Even when he's covered, he's not really covered. He's one of those guys. And he's going to make those plays, which he hasn't through the first four of his four years of his career. And now he's making them. If you just if you can just throw the ball up and he can make those plays, watch out. And that's happening right now. So he is absolutely been Rattler's number one target through the first two weeks of the season. And it's actually crazy. I mean, I don't understand how this guy has been essentially a non-factor his entire career. If you're watching what this guy is doing right now, he's an animal out there. And it's like, where has this been for four years, man? Like, this this is great for you to do this now, I guess, if you're a South Carolina fan. But if I'm a Carolina fan, I'm like, 
where has this been, man? But hey, better late than never, I guess. But he has been awesome for them. There is zero doubt about that. And the next guy here, I mentioned him a second ago talking about Leggett, Antoine Juice Wells. He has been their top guy. He was their best receiver last year. He was one of the more underrated receivers in the SEC last year. And I think part of that was he was not a name guy coming into last season because he was a transfer from JMU. Now, JMU, a very successful FCS program, now an FBS program. But he transfers in from JMU ahead of last season and promptly goes for 928 yards, 68 receptions, six touchdowns, one of the better receivers in the SEC. And that was with a Spencer Rattler who was highly inconsistent for the vast majority of last season. This year, though, a little bit of a different story. He's still the same guy, but he has been banged up. He dealt with an injury all through fall camp, missed the majority of fall camp, gave it a go against North Carolina. Early in that game, though, it had to come out. He's got one catch, five yards on the year. Miss, again, most of the North Carolina game, all the Furman game. Will he play in this game? That is a question. Because if he does, that that makes things a little bit more interesting there on the outside against this South Carolina offense. Because if Leggett is playing at the level that he is now playing at, and you add Juice Wells in that mix, that's a different dynamic that you have to deal with. If, you, if teams have one receiver, most teams have a single really good receiver, at least one of them. Having two guys like that, that's a different animal. Now, will Wells be healthy? Is he going to play? I don't know. To carry on Joyner, who I'm going to talk about here in a minute, is a running back, kind of a jack-of-all-trades for South Carolina. Some of you might remember him playing a little bit like a quarterback against us back in 2019. So yeah, he's been around for a minute. He was given an interview earlier this week, and he was talking about how he thinks the offense is going to kind of hit its stride this week with guys like Juice Wells getting more involved in the offense. And it's like, oh, okay, well, is that kind of just like a hint? Or like, did you let that slip that he actually is feeling better and he's practicing more and he's progressing in his recovery from his injury? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to read in that, but I don't think it's nothing. So in a game like this, of this magnitude, playing the two-time defending national champion, you know that Wells is going to do everything he possibly can to play. And you imagine that South Carolina will do everything within their power to get him ready to play, at least give him a shot. Because again, he went against North Carolina two weeks ago. He tried, wasn't feeling great, wasn't working, and he goes and he sits for the rest of the game. So I imagine he will give it a go if I had to guess right now. How effective will he be? How healthy is he? What percentage is he at? That, I certainly don't know. I can't imagine that he would be at 100%. But, I mean, having 80% of Juice Wells out there is probably better than anything else they've got out there outside of Xavier Leggett. And that certainly just gives him a threat that we have to respect because he is that good when he's out there, when he's healthy. Now, he's a different body type, different kind of receiver than Leggett. He's not a small guy. He's just not as big as Leggett. He's 6'1", about 200, 205. Uh, He's a shiftier guy. He's got good hands. He's got good speed. I don't know if he's elite at any one thing as a receiver, but he's really good at everything. He doesn't really have a weakness in his game. He's a good receiver, man. He runs routes well. He's been, he was a really, really reliable target for Spencer Rattler last year. All right, our next guy on the list of players to watch is a guy that I mentioned a second ago. He's been around for a minute, man. He's one of these players. I know it's the old cliches like, oh my God, he's been in college for 17 years. It kind of feels that way. To carry on Joyner, who, yes, played a little bit of quarterback for them against us in 2019, last time we lost at home, by the way. It was our last home loss four years ago. But he is back, and he he has been a jack-of-all-trades. He's played receiver for them. He's played quarterback for them. He's now playing running back for them. In their running back situation, guys, it's, it's problematic. And look, I know our running back situation, as we have talked about several times throughout the course of this week and going back to last week, is concerning. But as concerning as our running back situation might be with all the injuries that we've suffered, 
South Carolina's situation at back is is worse, and it's not really so much injury-related. They lost some guys to transfer portal. The biggest guy they lost, the best player they lost in the transfer portal was Marshawn Lloyd, who went to USC. That was their guy last year. He is gone. He transferred out, chased the NIL money, and hey, more power to my guess. And South Carolina is not a team that recruits to the level of, I don't know, a Georgia or an Alabama. They don't recruit like that. Now, they're recruiting better under Shane Beamer, but still not like that. So they don't have the roster depth. When a guy like Marshawn Lloyd packs his bags and leaves and goes west, they don't have a replacement ready to roll right now. So to carry on Joyner, again, jack of all trades, really good athlete. He has taken over that role as the lead running back. In fact, he has more than twice as many carries as the next closest running back, Juju McDowell. He's only got 23 carries. And he hasn't been effective, only 65 yards, averaging 2.8 yards per carry. Does have nine receptions for 66 yards. Now, he's a guy, again, he's played some receiver in his career, played about everywhere else on the offense. He is a guy that they will use in the pass game because he has those skills. I mean, he was a receiver, so he absolutely has those skills. I would certainly watch him in the pass game. They would try to get him matched up on some linebackers, safeties. I imagine that's going to be the case. I imagine on early downs it would be effective if I was them if they would try to get him mashed up on Pop Dumas Johnson when he's in the game. That is something that I would try to scheme up if I'm South Carolina, and I'm sure their coaches are probably smarter than I am. They do this for a living, so if I'm seeing it, I imagine they are probably looking at the same thing. So Joyner is not, he hasn't been a dynamic player. I mean, he hasn't been overly productive, but he is a really good athlete. The run game has just been very, 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 very problematic for them, and a big part of that is their offensive line. It's been, they've been absolutely dreadful up front, but the running game itself is, I mean, you've got a guy that's played quarterback, played receiver, who's now your lead running back. He's fine, he's a good athlete, but he's not really a running back by trade, but he still is their biggest threat from that running back position. All right, last player to watch, and the only guy from the defensive side of the ball here on my list is a guy named Jordan Strahan. And he did not make my list because he's been overly productive to this point this year. That's not what it's about. It's about his potential and what he can do. If you go back to 2020, when this guy was at Georgia State, he led the country in sacks. Then he transferred to South Carolina in 2021, was solid for them, um, dealt with a little bit of injuries, was banged up, was banged up for most of last year, but he's back. He's back for one more go around his sixth season of college football. And again, he hasn't been overly productive this year. He actually only has one sack on the year. Now, it's two games, so that's nothing like to scoff at. But if you go back to 2020, he had 10 and a half sacks that year. He's only got five combined sacks through two years and change at South Carolina. Again, largely related to injuries and just not being able to stay on the field and stay healthy. But when this guy's healthy, he is a very, very capable pass rusher. He's the kind of guy that can wreck a game plan if you have, oh, I don't know, a redshirt freshman playing left tackle who's had a lot of issues getting beaten by speed rushers to the inside through his first two career starts. Strain can, can do that. Absolutely can do it. Now, he's going to move around a little bit. He'll, he'll play against Mims. He'll play against Green. But again, if I'm South Carolina, I would get him mashed up on Ernest Green. He's your best edge rusher. You go against Georgia's, I would say right now, pretty unquestionably, the weakest link on our offensive line. That is a matchup that is going to be, they're going to try to exploit that. Will they be able to exploit it? I don't know. Remains to be seen, but we need our screen to step up because Strayen's a guy that that can be a, a terror off the edge if if he gets the right matchup and if he's just going to be able to out-talent, out-class the guy that he's going up against. And Ernest Green, I think, is going to be a really good player. He's just young. I mean, he's going against a guy, he, if they get him mashed up on Strayen, which I, I believe that they will, again, why would you not do that? This is a 60-year senior going against a redshirt freshman. 
And it's a guy that once upon a time led the country in sacks back in 2020. So that's the play on the defense side of the ball that I would watch. And I know that I went offensive heavy here today, but it's really, they don't have a ton of guys on defense that are game changers. They really don't. I think Strain's the closest they have to that. I do think they have some good players in the secondary. I think O'Donnell Fortunes is a good cornerback. He, he certainly warrants some mentioning here, but I think Strain's the guy who has the ability to impact the game more significantly than someone in the secondary does in this specific game. All right, guys, we are just scratching the surface here today, but let's go ahead and get this read in here. Let's talk about our guys at my bookie. You guys know that college football is back. I don't have to tell you that. NFL's back too. Major League Baseball is still going on. We're almost in the postseason now. Go Braves. Let's go. So there are plenty of games from all around the country, all different sports for you guys to bet on and put some money in your pockets. And the best place to do that is at mybookie.ag. Not only are we giving you a promo code right now, but even if we weren't giving you a promo code, my bookie is hands down the best sports book out there. I've tried them all, guys. I am I am a uh, I'm a gambling inclined individual. Of course, you got to bet responsibly. Never bet more than money than you have. But it's nice to have a little fun here and there and put some stakes on some games. Otherwise, maybe you wouldn't care that much about. So I've tried a lot of these different sports books, and once I found my bookie, it was over. Game over. My bookie. Let's go. And I am so glad that we are partnered with my bookie because I want to be able to give you guys the opportunity to bet and make some money as well. So use our promo code UGA when you go to mybookie.ag. If you're a brand new user, you will get a 50% bonus on your very first deposit. This won't be around forever, guys. So take advantage of it while you can. There's still plenty of college football left. Charlie and I will be giving you winners tomorrow. You guys know your own football, so you don't really need us to give you winners, but we'll give you some thoughts and we'll give you guys some picks to uh, to take to the bank. But make sure mybookie.ag Promo code UGA, all brand new users get a 50% bonus on that first deposit. So you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, let's move into the next segment here. So we did our five players to know. Now let's continue the countdown and go to four stats that matter. And the stat that I'm going to open with here is a very basic, very simplistic stat. Sometimes I'll give you guys some advanced numbers. Sometimes the simple old school stats tell the story, and that is the case here today. On the season, through two games, South Carolina has given up 10 sacks. I did not get that number wrong. 10 sacks. Nine of those came in the first game against North Carolina. Now, why do I specify that nine of those sacks came against North Carolina? I do so because North Carolina is a Power 5 team. It's the only other Power 5 team that South Carolina has played to date. We are also a Power 5 team. So if they give up nine sacks to North Carolina, who was absolutely horrific on defense last year, I know this is a new season and things can change. They can improve. Of course, absolutely. But it's still North Carolina's defense. They're only going to be so much better this year and they gave up nine sacks 
to North Carolina in week one. Now, they only have one site to Furman, but I mean, it's Furman. It's an FCS team. As we've been saying for a couple weeks now, don't read too much into that. Read into what they did against the only Power 5 team they played. Nine sacks. And North Carolina might be improved this year defensively. Maybe. Probably. Who knows? But I'll tell you one thing I do know for certain. They're not going to be as good as the Georgia defense. I know that for a fact. And while we have not necessarily been the most dynamic pass rushing team, especially in terms of a natural pass rush, we just simply have far superior talent to what North Carolina has on their defense. A guy like Michael Williams is a player that North Carolina simply does not have. Marvin Jones Jr., guys like on the interior like Christian Miller, Warren Brinson, they don't have guys like that. Smile Munden blitzing from the second level. They do not have that. Jalen Walker, they don't have a guy like that. So yeah, 10 sacks. And I know that is about as basic as you can get with a statistic. I mean, that that's simple. That's basic stuff. I don't care. That tells you what you need to know. If they cannot protect Spencer Rattler in this game, they have zero chance to win. Absolutely zero. Not even like .0001. I'm talking zero chance to win if they cannot protect Spencer Rattler. It ain't happening. And for our next stat that matters, let's stick with the offensive line theme here. Not only had they given up 10 sacks on the season, They also simply cannot do anything on the ground. South Carolina right now is 128th nationally in rushing offense. 128th, guys. And just in case you've lost count over the years, all these teams making the jump up to the FBS level, there are 132 FBS teams right now. So they are the fourth worst rushing offense in the country. Yeah, I know. Two games. Sure. Okay. It's putrid, guys. Beyond the numbers, if you watch this offensive line play, it's comically bad. It's almost impossible to be as bad as they have been through two games, especially against North Carolina. It's so bad. I mean, guys, against North Carolina, they had minus two rushing yards, negative rushing yards in an actual football game against North Carolina. You know how bad North Carolina is on defense, minus two rushing yards. They're not getting any movement. They have no idea who they're blocking. Their feet are stuck in concrete. There's basically no athleticism on that offensive line. They're getting beaten with speed rushes. They're getting beaten with bull rushes. They're getting getting beaten with spin moves. They're getting beaten every which way possible. And it's just, all you can do is laugh. I mean, even South Carolina fans, like, what are you gonna do? I mean, I know it's frustrating and depressing, but at some point you just gotta laugh. It's so bad. Yes, against Furman, they did have 108 yards rushing. They cracked the 100-yard mark. Good for them. But they did that on 39 carries, 2.8 yards per rush against Furman. So let's put this together. They can't protect the quarterback, and they can't run the football. I don't care how good your quarterback is. And yes, as I mentioned, Spencer Rattler is playing at an extremely high level right now. But if you can't protect him, and you can't help him out by running the football, and you can't take the pressure off of him, let me say it again, you have zero chance to win this football game. So maybe it'll improve for South Carolina this week. I would say the odds are probably against that, right? With the level of competition taking a a massive step up. I know they played North Carolina, good solid power five team, but North Carolina ain't Georgia. It ain't the Georgia defense. So I don't know why it would improve all that dramatically this week. Maybe. I mean, miracles happen, right? You know, I guess you can pray for one because that's what's going to take at this point. All right, next up, the third stat that matters. Let's talk about Spencer Rattler a little bit here. All right, so last year, you guys watched the game. You know how that went. Spencer Rattler was absolutely terrible 
against us in week three last year. I mean, he was just abysmal. 118 yards passing, 13 and 25, 52%, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and was just gifting us balls. I mean, one of those picks, it was, I think it was Malachi Starks, was just an absolute gift, basically threw it right to him. He's like, what are you doing? Making terrible mistakes, hearing footsteps in the pocket, trying to get out of the pocket when he shouldn't have gotten out of the pocket, putting the ball in harm's way. Just an absolutely awful performance by Spencer Rattler. In fact, that was the worst performance of his entire career. We are the only team in his career to hold him under 150 yards passing. Maybe, maybe it was just a bad day. And I will grant that it was his third career start at South Carolina. Obviously had some starts at Oklahoma. So he was transitioning to a new offensive system, at least an offensive system that was different in some ways to what he was doing with Lincoln Riley in that air raid based system. So maybe that, that certainly factored into it as well. But still the fact remains that in his performance against us last year, at home, by the way, in Columbia, and they were fired up for that game. I was in the stands. I'm sure a lot of you were there too. The sandstorm was rocking, baby, right? At least that kickoff. And then we kind of co-opted that and took it on uh, our own and uh, made it our own little champ. But they were fired up. They were ready to go. But it didn't work out that way. 118 yards, 13-25, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Again, the lowest total of Rattler's career. Now, will we see a repeat of that this year? I would say probably not. I don't think that he will put up numbers that bad, but I also think it makes sense that Spencer Rattler probably will not have as much success against our defense as he has had over the past five games in his career, which we'll get to here in just a minute. Again, just considering the fact they can't protect him, they can't run the football. I mean, our past defense has had issues, well-documented issues, at least on this show, over the past year or so, especially last year, wasn't it was not good enough. It wasn't the standard of every other aspect of our defense. So, I mean, it wouldn't be unprecedented for a quarterback to a, a really good quarterback to light us up. That's happened. We saw it happen in the SEC Championship game. We saw it happen with C.J. Stroud in the uh, in the Peach Bowl. It would not be unprecedented. But this is a different situation here. They can't protect him. They can't run the football. I have a hard time believing if that remains the same, if that remains constant, which, again, I think it will be. Right now, the odds will suggest it would be. I have a hard time believing Spencer Rattler is going to have the opportunity to light us up the way he's been lighting up teams over the past couple starts dating back to last year, which takes me to the final stat that matters. Spencer Rattler, as I said at the outset of the show, is is playing at a really high level right now. And again, it doesn't just start this year. It dates back to the end of last season. In his last five starts, going back to the start against Tennessee last year, so Tennessee, Clemson, Notre Dame in the bowl game, North Carolina to open this season in Furman last week. In those five games, he is averaging 75.5% completion percentage, 348 and a half yards passing per game. He's thrown 10 touchdowns to three interceptions. Now compare that to his first nine starts at South Carolina. In those first nine starts as a Gamecock, he averaged 198 yards passing. He threw four touchdowns to eight interceptions. Something has changed. Something has clicked. Now, all offseason, my point on Rattler was, why would I trust how he ended the season when you know three-fourths of the season, he was this one guy who was not good? The last fourth of the season, yeah, much, much improved. But if I had to project forward to 2023, I'm going to put my money on the three-fourths of the season as opposed to the one-fourth of the season. But to give the guy credit, he has started off 
on fire to open the season. So maybe something has clicked. And again, your opinions on a guy, they have they have to be dynamic. You have to be able to, to alter these based on the new data, the new information you've gotten. And I have new information. I have new data on Spencer Allen. He's playing at a high level right now. Now, will that continue against us? That remains to be seen. But he right now is has been a different guy than the Spencer Rattler that we saw this time last year in Columbia. All right, let's move on to three questions to ask. Let's keep the countdown rolling here. Let's stick with Spencer Rattler here off the top with our first question to ask. Can Spencer Rattler be Superman against a top 10 defense? I think this is a fair question because despite how awesome he has been over the past five starts dating back to last year, he still has never done it against a top 20 defense at South Carolina, let alone a top 10 defense, which we are in yards per play right now. Which was, You guys know you've been listening for a while. I put far more stock into yards per play than total yards because that is an efficiency measure. It takes into account pace and number of plays you run, all that stuff. So we are a top 10 defense right now. We will be a top 10 defense all year long in my estimation. In fact, I think that we will continue to move up those ranks as we get deeper into the season. And Rattler's never done it against that kind of defense. He didn't do it against us last year, right? Again, 118 yards last year, 52% completion percentage, no touchdowns, two interceptions, the lowest total of his career. He hasn't done it against a defense of this caliber. Now that does not mean he cannot do it. You can't confuse those two things. Just because you have not done it yet does not mean that you cannot do it. Just like Georgia had not won a national championship in 40 years, that did not mean that Georgia could not win a national championship. We obviously know how that turned out. So rather, we'll see, we'll see. But here's the thing. They absolutely have to have Rattler be dynamic. They have no chance to win. They have no chance to win this game unless Spencer Rattler is the absolute best version of himself. If he is that version of himself, things could potentially get interesting. They could at least keep it close. They could they could give us a fight. But if he is anything less than the best version of himself, South Carolina is not going to win this game. And this is a big question for me. Can he do it against this type of defense? Because again, He's been really good the past couple starts, but he hasn't done it against a defense of this caliber. That remains to be seen. All right, my second question to ask here, let's get into the Georgia side of things. Are Georgia's young pups ready for prime time? You guys know the names. You've seen it over the first two weeks this season. I mean, the list is long of young, and not just young, but inexperienced players playing significant minutes, significant downs, getting a lot of reps. We've got a, a redshirt freshman at left tackle who made his first two career starts. We've got C.J. Smith at receiver taking significant reps right now with the injury situation that we have at that position. One of our top two running backs has been a true freshman in Roderick Robinson. I know that Carson Beck is not young. He's been around for a long time, but he's inexperienced. He's made his first two starts. And on the defense side of the ball, and we're rotating a ton of young guys in there. I mean, C.J. Allen's playing a ton of football. You've got Christian Miller playing a ton of football as a redshirt freshman. We've got Dalen Everett as a, as a second-year guy starting at cornerback. Julio Humphrey's also working in there as a second-year guy. We've got a true freshman kicker. Jordan Hall's taking a ton of reps on the interior of the defensive line. Gabe Harris, as a true freshman, got a ton of reps in last week's game against Ball State. I mean, there are young guys everywhere, in the two deep especially, and on defense. I mean, they're they're all over the place on defense. They're talented, but they're young. And it hasn't hurt us yet because, I mean, like, yeah, we're playing Baby Seals. Right? You're playing UT Martin. We're playing Ball State. 
South Carolina is not an elite team, but it certainly represents a major step up in competition from what we have played these first two weeks. Are those young pups ready for that kind of challenge, for that kind of test? Are they ready for those bright lights? Because we're going to need them to be. I mean, our, some of these guys are, they're, again, they're in our two deep, and we rotate a ton on defense. Ernest Green is a rusher freshman. We need that guy to step up his game. We need Roger Robinson to figure some things out and get more comfortable at this level and run behind his pads and run as big as he is. We need these guys to be ready to go. We can't afford them to say, okay, you're just freshmen. You're young guys. It's okay. You can learn on the job. No, you you got to be ready to go in this game. I hope that they are. I think that most of them will be. The talent is clearly there, but you just never know. When you're put in a situation like this, you don't know how they're going to respond. And with a lot of those young guys in our two deep, I certainly have at least some semblance of a question of how will they respond in this game, in this spot. And then my final question to ask, you guys know we've had a situation here with the injury bug where we're kind of the walking wounded, especially at running back. You know the story of running back, but Lavin Conkey's been out. He hasn't been able to go. He's, it seemed like he was going to go each of these first two weeks, but then was held out. Maybe that was precautionary. We'll see. Kirby was really non-committal so far this week in terms of Lat's health and his availability for this game. Javon Bullard, a preseason All-SEC selection, suffered an ankle injury in last week's game. And I don't know if he'll go. We'll see. I, I imagine he's going to try to give it a go, but I don't, there's no guarantee that he's going to play. And if he does, is he going to be 100%? You don't know. There's, there are injuries all over this team, guys. Smile Munnan, he started last week, but still kind of working himself back from an injury. So how healthy are we going to be? Our roster is significantly more talented than South Carolina's roster, one through 85. But when you are dealing with as many injuries as we've been dealing, Dejan Edwards is another guy, right? When you've been dealing with that many injuries to key contributors on your team, and Brock Bowers has been banged up, that reduces your advantage from a talent standpoint because all the ta- most talented guys you have, your best playmakers, they're either out or they're playing less than 100%. And it's early in the year. Eventually that happens down the road, but it's the third game of the year. So how healthy are we going to be? If we are fully healthy in this game, we're not going to be fully healthy, but if we can get Ladd back, we get Dejan Edwards back, if Javon's able to go, then, I mean, we're going to win this game going away, in my opinion. But if those guys can't go, then I still think we win the game, but... I, I think there's a good chance that this game will be closer, the margins will be closer than we would like it to be if we don't have some of those key contributors ready to go in this game. All right, and we are not done yet, guys, but I do want to remind you again about our awesome friends at Alumni Hall. Some of you guys have been coming to town every game so far this week. This will be your third trip to town. Some of you, you've been, you know, you don't want to watch the cupcakes, the beatdowns. I get that. So you might be making your first trip into Athens for this conference opener against South Carolina. If that's the case, guys, come on, do yourself a solid here. Stop in at Alumni Hall right there off the Oconee Connector, just past the Oconee Connector in the Epsbury Shopping Center where University 16 Theaters is. I mean, we all have Google maps, right? So you can just put it into your phone. It'll take you right there. But Alumni Hall has the best selection of Georgia gear that you're going to find anywhere. I, I, I promise you that, guys. I am a fine connoisseur of Georgia gear, and there is nowhere like Alumni Hall on this planet. They have all the best brands, the best selection, the best customer service. Anything you're looking for Georgia-related, they are going to have it. So do yourself a favor. Stop in today. Pick up all the best 2023 Georgia game to gear. Get yourself outfitted. Get your family outfitted, your kids, your wife, or ladies out there, get your husbands outfitted. And they open early, guys. I know a lot of you will be tailgating. You'll be up here early tailgating, getting your spot. I know how that goes. But Alumni Hall, they know how it goes too. Like They are for you guys. They're for the people. So they're going to be open bright and early at 8 a.m. on Saturday. On Sunday, if you're staying overnight and you're heading back out of town after the game, 
If you don't have time to stop in before, if you're going to get set up like 6 a.m. out there on campus, on Sunday they're open at 10 a.m. So plenty of opportunities for you guys to get all the best George Game Day gear at Alumni Hall because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, couple more segments here. Let's keep this countdown going. I've got two matchups to watch for you guys. I do recognize that Juice Wells, when healthy, is South Carolina's probably their best receiver. He's not going to be 100% in this game. If he goes, he's not going to be 100%. He might not go at all. We'll see. But there is one player that I do know is 100% for South Carolina, and he is going to be a factor. And that's the second guy I mentioned with the five players to know, receiver Xavier Leggett. This guy is a big-bodied dude. He's athletic, too. Again, it's just baffling to me how he has been such a non-factor for four years before breaking out through these first two games of this season in his final year in Columbia. But Leggett's a big-time receiver, at least through two, two games. 150 yards. 150 yards per game through two games. Just been dynamic for them. And big plays. Guys average over 20 yards, right about 20 yards a catch. So Xavier Leggett versus our cornerbacks. They're going to move him around. You know, we, we would like to have Kamari on, on him, but they're going to try to get him mashed up on Dalen Everett. Of course, like if you'd be an idiot not to be coaching malpractice if you don't try to get Leggett, your best receiver right now, matched up on, I don't want to say that Everett is a liability, but he's certainly a guy that there's some question marks there because we haven't seen it. He hasn't had to do it yet. You got to test him. You got to try him. And that's going to happen. And Dalen is going to need to be up for the challenge. And they'll test Kamari too. Kamari's got to be up for the challenge because he's a big time player. I'm telling you guys, right now, Rattler does not care if he's covered because he just throws it up there. He's such a big body guy. You throw in his radius, his catch radius is tremendous. And he's just going up, he's making plays. Strong hands, big body, knows how to use that body. This is going to be a matchup to watch because when Rattler needs to make a play, I'm telling you right now, he's going to go to Xavier Leggett through the first two weeks. That is what he is doing. He is going to him. That is his guy. Now, Juice Wells coming back, if he's playing, he obviously has a comfort level with Juice Wells dating back to last year, but Leggett is the guy that's on fire right now, and he's just a different kind of dude. So that is certainly a big-time matchup to watch in this game. I'm curious. I don't know. I mean, I love Kamari Lasser. I think he's really good. Dalen, I think, is going to be really good. But I don't know what we have in him right now because he really hasn't been tested to this point. And Kamari dealt with an injury most of fall camp. So how healthy is Kamari right now? I know he's been starting and playing, but is he 100%? You better be against Xavier Leggett because that guy, again, is playing out of his freaking mind right now. And then our second matchup to watch. So I detail for you guys just how bad the South Carolina offensive line has been, particularly their offensive tackles. They have been just absolutely dreadful, guys. Sidney Fugar at left tackle, right now, according to Pro Football Focus, and I always say with Pro Football Focus, guys, take it with a grain of salt. It's a data point. It's just a single data point. Their grading system is very nebulous. It's not super transparent, but hey, they have their grading system. However they put together, they grade these things. Right now on Pro Football Focus, Sidney Fugar at left tackle has a 68.2 pass blocking grade. And if you remember from your grade school days, anything below 70 is a failing grade. So right now, Sidney Fugar is failing at pass pro. And I mean, if you watch it, guys, uh, yeah, he is. But as bad as Fugar has been, and he hasn't been great, Tyson Wanamaker on the right side has been far, far worse. This guy, I mean... South Carolina fans, I mean, if you're a South Carolina fan, you just basically got to close your eyes. I mean, you just can't watch it because it's just, it's frightening how bad this guy has been. 41 
0.6 pass blocking grade according to Pro Football Focus right now. And I'm I'm going to put some stock into these pass pass pro grades for Pro Football Focus right now, at least when it comes to Fugar and Wanamaker, because it matches what I have seen with my own two eyes. That That's the case, guys. I tend to put more stock in those PFF grades when it seems to align with what I am seeing in my evaluation of their play. And it absolutely does in this case. Wanamaker has been just guys, it's embarrassing. Like it, it, I, it's crazy to me that they haven't benched him yet. What that tells me is they just have nobody else. Because if they had anybody else, there's no way that that guy is not sitting on the bench right now. He's been that bad. Speed rush, bull rush, inside move, outside move. It doesn't matter. The guy's getting beat. He's not great in the run game either. He's not getting moving. He's slow off the ball. He's got really poor pad level. He's letting defenders get his, get their hands on him first. No punch whatsoever. Off balance. Just bad. I mean, it's like, have you practiced football before when you watch this guy play? So it's been very bad. So when you consider all the issues they've had in pass protection, I think the matchup with Michael Williams versus those two tackles is a key matchup in this game. Again, Spencer Rattler has been awesome. He is going to have to be Superman for them to have a chance to beat us in this game. But if they cannot protect Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler will not have the opportunity to be Superman. And Michael Williams could be a factor that restricts Spencer Rattler from having that opportunity to be the best version of himself. Because Michael Williams is... He is a breakout waiting to happen, guys. I believe he is going to be that type of pass rusher for us this year. He hasn't really had the opportunities through the first two weeks because these teams are just getting the ball out of their hands very quickly. He has one sack on the year, that, that one sack against UT Martin. Look, they know that they're just trying to get these balls out of their hands and they can't hold up against us. I mean, Ball State was doing some cut blocking stuff, just trying to get the quick passing game going. South Carolina is going to try to push the ball down the field to Leggett and Wells if he plays. Michael Williams can make that very difficult for them. He is our best pass rusher. He is the guy that I think is going to be a stud for us. I think he's got all SEC type potential. Hell, I think he has all American type potential. He is a five tech guy, which traditionally has never really been a glamour pass rushing position for us. Trevon Walker obviously changed that to a to some sort of a degree. And Michael Williams is continuing that trend of changing that role. And we move him around. We do different things with him. At times, he's almost playing like a 4-3 defensive end when we're in an even front. And obvious passing downs, we're moving him inside on guards. In fact, when he got his one against UT Martin, that's what he got it from. It's a third down situation. He's matched up on a guard. And guards aren't going to be able to handle his power and his quickness, that combination. But more often than not, he is going to be matched up on these two tackles who have really, really struggled in pass protection. And if Michael Williams can be the guy in this game that I believe Michael can be, that is going to be a massive boost to our chances to win this game and win this game comfortably. Because again, we cannot let Spencer Rattler get into rhythm and get hot and get rolling in this game. If that happens, that's when things start to get a little iffy. But if we can keep him out of rhythm, just like we did last year, they have no chance to win. I think Michael Williams is going to be a key part of that. All right, guys, we have reached the end of our countdown here today. The final segment here is one key to the game. Again, I will give you my final prediction on our week three picks of the week episode to wrap things up here on Friday. But today I will give you what I think is the one key to the game. There's usually more than one key, but we're going to try to identify the one most important thing in this game. If we do this, we win this football game. And today it's pretty simple to me. We've talked about it all week long. We'll go right back to it. Can Georgia run the football well enough 
to convince South Carolina it is a threat. Can we pose a threat with our run game? If we can, we win this game going away. If we can force them to bring extra bodies into the box and create favorable matchups on the outside, create favorable matchups for Brock Bowers, for Dominic Lovett, hopefully Lab McConkie, that remains to be seen. But if we can do that, I very much like our chances to get out of this conference opener with a very comfortable win, head into week four against UAB, get the last cup to get out of the way, and then hit the stretch run of conference play the rest of the way. But unfortunately, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. South Carolina is not great up front. They're fine at linebacker. I mean, they're okay. They're pretty unathletic. Debo, they had an injury to open the season, and Debo Williams is having to be the guy for him at inside linebacker. He's fine. Just um, not an overly athletic guy. He's not an elite SEC linebacker. His running mate right now is Stone Blanton. Same concept. Solid player. Fine between the tackles. Not an SEC caliber athlete at inside linebacker. But we also were not playing as SEC caliber linebackers the first two weeks against Ball State and UT Martin. And we still had more than our fair share of issues running the football, especially last week against Ball State. Now, as we laid out earlier this week, you know, those two teams play a little bit different than how South Carolina is going to play us. And hopefully the intensity level of the offensive line and just the offense in general is going to be upgraded. Hopefully we fix some of the assignment issues. Hopefully schematically, Mike Bobo has looked at some of the things that we're doing and said, okay, you know what? We're going to change some things here. I would like to see us spread the ball a little bit more. I would like to see us continue to use the RPO game. We're doing the RPOs a lot more than we did under Todd Munkin. We use RPOs under Munkin, but through two weeks, that has been a big part of what we do. And I think it's Bobo's way to try to account for the fact that we don't have the mobility from the quarterback position that we have with Stetson. You guys know I think Carson's a, a, a good athlete. He's just not Stetson caliber. We don't, he doesn't really pose that run threat. So we've been using the RPO game to try to hold backside linebackers, to hold inside linebackers, to hold those safeties and those star defenders coming into the box. We've been trying to use that as our way to do that. And we've had success with that, throwing the football. We just still haven't had the success running the football. So hopefully that changes this week. I don't know, though. I, I've told you all week, I'm concerned about it. I absolutely, I'll be honest with you, I am concerned about it. Because if we cannot run the football, that poses significant issues to what we do offensively. That is our identity. This is what we do. We run the football. We pose a threat running the football, enough of a threat to force defenses to have to account for that, roll bodies in the box, try to outnumber us in the box, take away the run game, and then we murder you with explosive plays in the pass game. That's what we do. But if we cannot run the football, that does not work. We have to go to plan B. And what is plan B? Right now, I don't know. I don't know what plan B is. Plan B against... UT Martin and Ball State was, we're just more talented than you and we're just going to beat you that way. We can probably do that to South Carolina because we are more talented, but it's going to be a lot scarier than we want it to be. And if you get to some of the better teams on the schedule, it might not work out that way. So yes, we need to find a way to run the football and we need to find a way to run the football now. And if we do find that way to run the football, we will win this game comfortably. We'll win it going away and we'll move on to week four against UAP. But all right, guys, that's all I got for you today. Charlie and I will be back on Friday. Actually, it'll be out late Thursday night with our week three picks of the week. And that is where we will reveal our final game predictions for this conference opener against South Carolina. And we'll have a host of other picks for you, a ton of other picks for you guys. We'll have picks against the spread. We'll have parlays for you. We'll have some upset specials. Hit the upset special last week with Texas. Hit the parlay last week as well. It's two in a row hitting those parlays with over plus 200 odds. So we're giving you winners, guys. Just saying, giving you winners. Make sure to tune into that episode on Thursday night, Friday, whenever you can get to it. But all right, guys, thank you. Thank you for being here. I always appreciate you guys. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>